Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas. People, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village, the award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007 or find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. So as I was saying, anybody that uh, is is reviewing this infrastructure purchase that the POA board and uh, Kelly is behind, I think is either not fully informed or a little bit misguided on uh, what the benefits are to the POA in the long term for, for this deal. So I, I think it's all very complicated, to be frank about it. It really is. You know, one of our most viewed shows ever was about um, uh, reserve properties. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people read that press release and went, what? They could build a dam? They, they didn't have to do something by the ACC? I refer you back to our reserved property that we did over a year ago where we talked about its reserved property. So you say, well, that lands in the village. It lies inside the bounds of the village, but it's not part of the village. Yep. Give an example. And by the way, Dennis Simpson, Hot Springs Village Inside Out, my good buddy, Mr. Kenneth Unger, who has joined us today. And we're talking about the recent purchase where the POA has been in negotiation for months, if I'm not mistaken, about reserve property pieces of land. I was telling Ken before we hit the record button that Jeff and I were sitting out back of El Jimador's Mexican restaurant right up here at the corner of Carmona and, and DeSoto. Um, Calella, or yeah, I think, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right there by the police station. Anyway, (laughs) we're we're at the four way. We're sitting and and Jeff and I are sitting on the back deck. We got the puppy with me and we're looking out over the the lake and it's a beautiful. We're having chips. And Jeff says, yeah, you know, I could have bought this piece of property. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this was one of the reserved pieces of property. And he said, yeah, but it's got a big sewer line running underneath it. And I thought, you know, as far as literally 15 feet away, we're sitting from reserved property. And what people don't understand is that that has not ever been brought into the village. It is not yep. part of the village. It that is land is separate. It isn't. You say, well, it's a city. No, we're a municipality, but we're not a city. And But it, it's not in the village. It doesn't pay dues. It's never been assigned a property number. It's It's just set aside land that was exactly, to use Cooper's words, reserved, right? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I think the acquisition and, and uh, frankly, you know, I had no idea uh, the amount of land underlying our physical assets that wasn't owned by the POA until we went through this exercise. And, you know, I wasn't intimately involved in it. I was just asked for my opinions about various parcels. And, and I was just like, well, we have to own that. That's our water tank. Yeah, you exactly. Know, or, hey, my Menorca facility, if we're going to if we're going to grow the village, we need to be able to grow our sanitation facilities in the years to come. Well, let's talk about the Menorca and to, for people that don't know, that's right there by the beehive. It's kind of behind the right. beehive, right? Yep. So that land actually backs up to the Creek, but it wasn't ours. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. I mean, we, we own the little parcel ground where our facility is right now, but all of the land surrounding it was, was part of reserve property that, uh, you know, the POA is acquiring as part of this uh, acquisition, which will, will ensure the long-term viability of, our sanitation facilities there. So we don't have to move them somewhere else in the village down the road as we continue to grow and continue to need to grow our fleet of trash trucks and storage and recycling as we continue to grow the village. So, you know, that to me was a a very long sighted, long, long view uh, pursuit to help stabilize us for, for decades to come. So I was glad they did it. And not to give the worst case scenario, but it's a beautiful creek. It's actually the outflow of the dam of Lake Coronado. Yeah. There was no reason that Cooper couldn't have sold that to someone. It, again, was reserved. They could have brought it in as commercial. They could have brought it in as residential. They could have not brought it in the village at all 
Correct. They wouldn't have got power or water. They wouldn't have got water or sewer. But if they could have built a home on the creek behind the Menorca facility, basically checkmating you from building out that facility any further, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, we would have had lost the total control over our ability to grow that facility at that point. So how did you learn where the I mean, did you have to when this came to you? Did mm-hmm. we pull up the GIS and go, hey, this El Gimador's, you know, we've got a big sewer line running underneath here and the walking trail goes on top of it. And this is kind of an essential piece of property to us. Yeah, well, I think, you know, and I give a lot of kudos to the committee because I think they did a, a very extensive and thorough job of reviewing every piece of property that Cooper put up for sale and determining, you know, what its impact would, would have to the village and then making recommendations to the board. On, on which ones we should acquire through quick claim deed or through purchase. And, you know, I, everyone that, that I'm aware of, uh, in my opinion, has a, a viable and essential interest to the long-term viability of the village. So, you know, and it just happens that the Cedar Creek happens to have a trail that we invested in, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's without funny, owning the property. It's funny you bring that one up because that's the hot topic. You know, that's yeah. the live wire. Yeah. And, and, and understandably, let's call it the dog whistle. Um, you know, I had a conversation with Kelly. I don't think he would mind me recounting, but basically they wanted a very large amount of money for that piece of property. And to Mm -hmm. which I could all say it's floodplain, it's floodplain. Who wants to buy in a hundred, not a 500 year floodplain, a hundred year floodplain who wants to buy and build a home there to which Kelly noted, not all of it's in the floodplain. And, and if you look at the particular map, it actually covers both sides of the road that mm-hmm. goes over to Balboa and all the way up. But we needed to protect that watershed for Balboa. We needed to protect that watershed for ourselves. We wanted to keep that hiking trail. It was, in my opinion, and I think you'll concur here, it was best suited. It was best. It, it's being used to its highest calling the exact way it is. A nature reserve set aside walking trail system. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think we want to protect we want to protect those interconnections between our lakes. I mean, they're, they're essential to ensuring that, that they're viable for, for decades to come. And you don't want anything risking, risking that. So, I mean, I, in a lot of respects outside of the trail, I, I view that as, as a, a form of infrastructure, just like the underlying parcels below our water tanks and stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, you may not agree with the price or you may not, you know, agree how, but I mean, I think it was the right move to do by the board. Well, and and a lot of people, it's easy to look at, at, you know, 5,000 an acre, still a pretty good deal, right? Yeah. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, I thought you had mentioned that uh, Cooper actually quit claimed, which is they just give. They just say, we no longer have claim to this. It's yours for lots of people, pieces of property too. But what was that about? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, uh, and I think, and again, I wasn't involved in the discussions per se, but I think, you know, it all played a part in how, how this turned out was ensuring that all of these, uh, all these parcels of land that, you know, for decades had basically just either not been aware, people didn't know, didn't care to look at, uh, who, who owned them, um, or knew about it and didn't want to try to do anything about it to straighten it out in the books. Um, you know, basically are, are part of this arrangement. So it's, I think it's a, a good thing for the village overall to have control over all the underlying land that our assets are on, uh, whether that be a water tank, uh, road to the treatment plant, um, water lines, sewer lines, and last but not least, uh, a water, a major watershed parcel that interconnects two of our lakes that just yeah. happens to have a, a, a trail on it. Well, and and I did a, a show that'll be coming out shortly with Todd Knowles, where we talked about the 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 you know why do they put up those plastic barriers when they're doing construction? Well, you don't want that silt from a big rain washing into the lake. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing would have stopped somebody from building a gravel road through that interconnected area to their home from the outside that wouldn't literally be you know that may not have been in the village they could have built a gravel road and every time it rained that silt would run down into the creek and start silting up balboa lake sure absolutely we would have no zero control over it zero control you can't protect what you don't own that's right that's right wow so uh, and and i'll be very frank if anybody has any questions about that you want to contact me you want to ask ken I, I can't help but say resoundingly, this was the right thing to do. You, you, yeah, and, and you know, what city in the world would let somebody else own the land that their sewer lines went under? Exactly, exactly. And you know, and, and it's interesting because 
you know, the the board made a commitment to the community to, you know, solidify the infrastructure in the village as part of the rate increase that we all agreed mm -hmm. to pay. And, you know, and I don't, you know, again, I think that the trail is being is being brought into this too much when it relates to what the board achieved here, you know, with, with between the watershed and again, negotiating all the underlying properties uh, underneath our infrastructure. And then, you know, the other thing I would point out is that, you know, I don't know where the exact money is coming from the savings. I mean, again, I'm not involved in it, but I can tell you that from an infrastructure standpoint, you know, the, the, the fees that we are paying an increase for infrastructure is absolutely being spent on infrastructure. And, and, you know, I have not, you know, I've talked to you briefly about some of the things that we've, we've done in my last, uh, last thing. And I, and I'm preparing a presentation and I don't know exactly when, when I'm going to do it, but, you know, somewhere around the end of the year, the beginning of the year to show the community exactly what we've accomplished in, in the seven to nine months that all have been here related to the infrastructure commitment that the board made. Because, you know, while all this other stuff was going on, my team and the contractors we've hired, we've been working like busy bees doing stuff. And the beauty of it is outside of the pavement that we're doing today, which we were lucky to get that overlay stuff uh, uh, done, by the way, uh, you know, that's a story in and of itself. That was my next um, question, by the way. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that commitment, which was basically we're, we're doing road preservation, not reconstruction these days because mm -hmm. of various prices and stuff. But, you know, the, the, I think the keynote that, that I'm trying to get out is we, we had a budget line this year for uh, to do culvert work, general contractor culvert work, okay? And it was about $450,000 uh, for, for a general contractor to do culvert work. And the estimate for that was to do four or five large culverts in the village for 450,000, okay? Wow. Over $100,000 a culvert. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's in the budget. People can go look online. It was in the budget line, 450,000, four to five culverts. By the time we're done at the end of this year, uh, through this cementious lining process, we will have basically rehabilitated every large culvert in the village that's over 42 inches in diameter. Well, what 40, number are we talking about? That's a number greater than four or five, right? 47 culverts will be addressed for about, and it's more than 450, for under a million dollars. So we moved money to areas where, you know, from areas where we weren't going to be able to achieve to the culvert because the process that we're doing is going so well that we will we will literally be ahead of the curve by years and by millions. Unbelievable. And, yeah. What do you think those 47 would have cost had the savings not gone this way? Well, if you if you look at 4 to 5 at 100,000 a piece, uh, you're talking a you know uh, 4 4 to 5 million dollars and all for just around a million. Around a million. So Well, and, and in in the press release that Pam let me add. Out. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Let me add. Residents probably don't even know this is going on. We didn't <laughs> open up. We didn't open up one road so far to mm -hmm. do any of this work. Because so you're sleeving are, it while there were while the we're while spraying, there's traffic still going sprayed, over. It's being sprayed on the inside of the pipe. The pipe they're using the pipe as a form to spray concrete. Basically, it's a, it's a patented product out of Pine Bluff. So we're supporting a company in, in Arkansas uh, that basically forms a concrete interior to the pipe a structural concrete pipe inside of the corrugated metal. And uh, it, it's a fascinating, and, and the beauty of it was, and this is, you know, and I'd like to take total credit for this, but we, this process had been done in the village in 2015 and 16 by one of my previous predecessors. And then it was, and then people stopped. Some people stopped. I don't, we don't know why. Um, they started ripping open roads. So we went and investigated the ones that were done and they looked great. So when we, you know, got hooked up with this company, this, this process again, we were like, let's go out to bid and see what happens. And, and you know, I can, you know, you can look at the comparative bids of, of what we got to do some of these things. And, it, and, and even within the lining process, this one was very competitive. So this was a coup for the village, in my opinion. And, and, and we will have hit over 2,700 linear feet. I mean, we're, we're lining pipes that you can walk through. Uh, rehabilitating them. Literally, I have pictures of the guys walking through it as they're, you know, patching some of the bottoms before they spray. And um, it's it's just 
incredible, in my opinion. Just that alone saved the village millions of dollars, and we're ahead of schedule by years. Well, and and well, I was going to say Pam sent out the uh, the press release, and in the very bottom part, Kelly she gave a quote to Kelly that said, "You know, we've actually saved enough money to pay for these products. That, you know, to pay for the the land that we talked about purchasing." Nobody wanted to hear that part. Nobody reads to the bottom of the letter anymore either. Yeah, but, that didn't even come from my budget, by the way. This really, didn't that's come from my physical construction budget, right? I'm still, I'm spending the money on infrastructure. I mean, what you're seeing today is basically, you know, when I got here, we were going to do about 75,000 in crack ceiling and we were going to spend, I think it was about 400 to $500,000 to what they call microsurface uh, around approximately 10 miles of road. Well, by the time we're done with what we, we've re, uh, reoriented, we're going to do double the amount of crack ceiling this, this particular process that we're doing will do roughly the same amount of rows for almost half the price. Um, so we'll wind up hitting about 20 to 30, between almost 30 miles of road and preservation techniques by the time we're done. Really? And, and the fog coating that you're seeing now is all being done in one week, one week and we're out. And we're hitting all the key parts of the village that need it, like the gates, um, sections of DeSoto, sections of North and South Barcelona, sections of Balearic, so, you know, we, we went around and we drove all the major roads and looked at where we had distressed pavement starting to crack. And, and we're going to be addressing all those areas in a week. Now, is it the end game for what we do on pavement restoration? No, it's, it's not. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a measure to protect our asphalt and our roads while we continue the infrastructure push that we committed to while we work on a solution that's long term for pavement reconstruction. And I'm doing that early next year at the Cortez fire station. Really? Yeah. So, you know, well, we're going to trial a process called full depth reclamation on the road, which basically takes the material that's there, churns it up, adds cement to it and you roll it out and it becomes a base. Add cement to it? Add cement to it. And it actually becomes a, you know, eight to 12 inch base that you really? can then pave over. Well, that will provide the stability we need for fire trucks and that's why we're doing it there we're going to have the fire trucks drive on it because it's, if you've been over to the cortez fire station practice area or you know testing area whatever you, you can see the condition of that pavement mm -hmm. fire trucks do to it yep every day we're going to redo that in that form and we're going to let them go to town and do their thing and see how it holds up but my estimation is is that that's going to be a long-term solution for our road systems where the base is really poor well, let me come back to this just for a second. And then once again, five mile high view, you know, five, five, five feet view, you know, um, I think what people don't understand, I mean, we, we had a hard winter this last year, right? Yep. Had a lot of blading, had to do a lot of scraping, not good for the roads. Am I right? No, generally and, not. And, and so here's what happens. And, and this is my layman's interpretation and correct me where I'm wrong. We just got through paving parts of DeSoto. Looks fantastic. Really looks fantastic. You want a smooth layer that is not cracked or deformed in any way because anytime water gets in there, freezes, cracked, dries, freezes, those cracks get bigger and bigger. And you get a thing that they call, if I'm not mistaken, alligatoring. Oh, yeah. So it looks like you have the back of an alligator's pack up through there. And, you know, I'm driving down the road and I'm thinking, oh, there's a little alligator here. I don't think anything about it. It is a matter of hours and days until water gets inside there. We have a four inch rain. We have a freeze. We have a whatever. And we don't have a pothole. We have a piece of land, a piece of road that is disintegrating the entire thing. Tell me what we did this last week and how it affects that. Yeah. So in, in these sections of roadway, we had identified that they started cracking in, in the tread path of, of the cars. Right. So we have two, two alternatives there. And I would add to, to your discussion there about what happens we have a lot of clay soils underlying certain areas of our roadways. There's not very good uh, base material. As a mm -hmm. matter of fact, you know, I, I went back and found specs that, that were put into the rows. And basically it's like two, two or two and a half inches over top of some, a, a little bit of stone material. And then that's it. That's right? not what you build a highway out of. No, not when you're putting trucks on it, trash trucks, you know, construct construction vehicles. And that's our underlying problem is that when water gets below that, pavement surface, the material underneath turns into, you know, basically Play-Doh. 
right? It's it's and shattered then, chert to be the the ground around here is called shattered chert. Yeah. It's chert that just breaks up and has a lot of clay content, and it's right. very porous. And if it gets wet, it turns into elastic. It, it just becomes yep. elastic, right? Yep. And then trucks drive over that, and it gets worse and worse. And you get your alligator crack, and you get your rolls. Right. My, you could come look at my cul-de-sac. What happened when the, the landscaper guy uh, turned his wheels in, in front of my house? Mm. Um, so it's it, it just basically tears the roadway up. And, yeah. you know, and for years and, and, and it's kind of interesting because there's sections of DeSoto that have been milled and replaced. that have actually held up pretty good. But, um, you know, we've never really done roadway reconstruction here to my knowledge we've done a lot of milling replace or these micro surface overlays super paved they used to call that's it. right but they don't provide any structural support for the road it's really totally cosmetic um and it and presumes that the base is good that's right that's right and so when you do that what you get is reflective cracking back up through it um from the cracks underneath um and and it really doesn't provide any structural support so if, if water does happen to get on under the road it's gonna it's gonna continue to deteriorate so you know we decided to go and we were fortunate to get this uh, company to do the fog sealing that, that they're doing out here and it's a it's a hybrid product it's a little bit thicker than normal fog sealing so it provides it's got a little bit of grit in it so it provides a little bit of traction support um, and, and, you know, when we investigated it, 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 he had shown us examples where he literally brushes it into the, to the road surface. So he's, it's sprayed and there's a brush behind it that basically pushes it into all the cracks in the road. So it effectively seals the road. It also protects the road surface from oxidation from the sun, which also, you know, deteriorates the surface of it. Right, right, so, right. you know, the hope is we'll get, you know. I don't know how many years out of it, three, four, five years out of it, while we're still working on infrastructure and coming up with our long-term solution to do road replacement, basically, is what we would do at the point where we come up with this, this alternative solution that I think we're working on. And it won't be done everywhere, but areas like, for example, I think Madaris is a good example of where the you know, underlying base of that road is really poor. We did cores out there. Um, earlier this year. And, and part of our design is going to be based on what do we have to do to fix Madaris once and for all? Yeah. So we don't have to keep patching that. Um, did it, did it not have a good, is that just a different type soil? Did it not have a good underlay? I mean, what, what was the, yeah, deal? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because if you, if you go drive through the village, like from the West to the East, the, the West side of the village actually has decent under underlayment because most of it's rock. Right. Right, um, right. So, you know, the roads over there have for, for the years that they've been out there actually held up pretty well. Um, and as you move east across the village, what you find is uh, you, you really don't have much sub base at all. You, you, it's, it's a lot of this clay soil uh, that, you know, pretty much turns into mush when it gets wet. Um, and some areas are worse than others. Uh, you know, I don't oh. know what the terrain was out here when, when some of these subdivisions were built, but they were built on, in some cases, fill material brought in, which whether it would be stuff that was moved around from the village. It mm. wasn't structural fill, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, in general, you see, with especially with areas where there's a lot more construction going on, road failure occurring much at a much higher rate um, yeah. in those areas because of the traffic, as well as the combination of, of that and the soils. So, well, and, and, and just to show the change in the, in the geography, uh, the areas out there on the <clears throat> East end, basically from Ponce East has a lot of Springs. Yeah. So there could be Springs underneath that. Uh, I, I know, uh, John Paul told me they had several miles of tubing underneath Ponce golf course, just to try and wick away all that, uh, all that um, uh, extra spring water in addition to what rain we usually get, you know? Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that in the springtime, which is, you know, late, late winter, early spring is when water tables are usually running high because, you know, you've got pretty good rain that, that there's a lot of underground water running underneath the roadway systems and yeah. that's not good for them. Well, but that, 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 that transitions to another point I think we need to talk about. And that is, in the fall, when we have more rain, we also have these things called leaves, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, yeah. Leaves, leaves. Oh, you want to go into what we've done there? Is well, that or what we're going to do. Tell me what's happening on the leaves front. Because well, yesterday, uh, and for those of you that are listening or watching or whatever, I'm trying to timestamp this. Uh, this is the last week of September. Last Yesterday, my yard guys who usually come and mow, and there's plenty of grass to mow and some branches and whatever. They mm -hmm. mowed. Yeah, they mowed the leaves yesterday. Uh, <laughs> they, they did two yards, my yard and my neighbor's yard, and they had leaves that were thigh high and waist high. 
and it's late September uh, in Arkansas. Well, they haven't even begun to fall. Everything's virtually still green, but we got a lot of leaves in the village. What are we going to do with them this year? Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 this goes in tune with the policies that were changed at the beginning of the year related to trash. And, and I want to give you a little update before I go into the leaves, by the way. Sure, so sure, sure, please. That, we did introduce that drop-off uh, uh, arrangement at Menorca. Uh-huh. For 20 bucks, you can bring us a, tra- a, a pickup truck worth of debris, you know, stuff, uh, large trash items, right? And we, we would take it. And so far, that's been pretty well received. Uh, hopefully, the word gets out more to the community because – We'd much rather have you bring it to us than us have to 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 get it from you as, yeah. as a community, right? We we we're paying that expense versus uh, people bringing us stuff. So that seems to be working out well. Um, you know, on the recycling uh, side, just a real quick, uh, I haven't really broadcast this out, so you're the first. Other than my, I updated my website, but we are opening the Menorca facility to take plastics on Tuesday as well as our normal Thursday. Great, other stuff. So we've been able to expand the operation there a little bit, and then. Now we talk about debris and leaves. So well, well, can we go back to recycling just for one moment? Yeah. I, yeah. I just want to stack my stack a, a, a pin in the ground real quick. I've been watching this in Little Rock and, and surrounding areas for 20, 25 years. We're going to do curbside recycling. And I used to live up on top of a ridge that was a cul-de-sac and it was a very long road. It was like a mile and a half long road. And the city of Little Rock would pay a hundred thousand dollar truck with diesel fuel to come up that road, stop at every house. And a guy got out and he dumped the, the recycles in and he went back up to the next house and he did that every week. Mm-hmm. And I realized that every one of us that lived up there, probably 80 houses, we all went down that hill at least once a week. And if there was a central recycle place and we could drop that off, it would be saving the planet a whole lot more than a guy in a diesel truck making four miles per gallon in a hundred thousand dollar truck stopping every 115 feet yeah. curbside recycling in my mind is not really viable in particular here. We just don't have the density. We don't have the whole pieces. So to be able to drop off recycling, I mean, let, let's be realistic. That That's what the solution is going to be. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, it's like everything else in our community. I mean, if, if we're willing to pay for it, as a community, because we don't get subsidized by any, you know, yeah. any tax dollars. Right. So sure. if we want to pay for it, then, you know, at some point you decide to do it. But, you know, that hundred thousand dollar truck you're talking about is like more like two hundred thousand dollars now, yeah. if not more. Yeah. And, you know, the cost to have people on that truck and and pick that stuff up has gone up. So, you know, it's it's not a it's not an inexpensive endeavor if that's what, you know, the community wants to do. It's 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 not something you can just say, yeah, we're going to do it. It, it, yeah. it costs. It costs. So it's more complicated than it might seem. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, our goal here is to try to provide some level of convenience for, um, you know, the things that the residents want to recycle uh, that we can deal with, uh, with with the, our fact that we got to turn it over to the recyclers, at, at, you know, throughout the course of the week. And I, I explained the issues we had there with getting our, our trailers back and stuff like that, because they have to go through all this stuff. But we were able to work out how to, how to deal with that with plastics. So, you know, we've, we've incorporated another day for plastics over at the facility on Tuesday. So, Great. you know, we don't expect it to expand much more than that at this point, based on some of this other stuff we have going on. And, you know, that that leads me into our, what we've done with leaves. And by the way, I, I would just point out that anybody that's upset about any of these policies, I've never I've not changed anything that we've had that we have. OK, hmm. so whatever services we had, we're still in place. Everything I've done is an add on to that. Okay. And that's true with the leaves and debris, you know, at least for now. So, you know, right now, let's discuss what we do. We, we were told in the beginning of the year and I say we because I'm a community member. So we were told that we have to use paper bags. Uh, we got to buy these biodegradable paper bags and we got to buy the yard tags and put the tags to the bags um, and then call for pickup. Um, and, you know, the feedback I got was, well, the bags can't be out in the rain. They deteriorate, wash, you know, uh, fall apart um, and they're expensive. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do about it? So, so here's my answer to that. And by the way, I would add, it's very inefficient for the POA. Okay. This is the introduction of this. We literally go out and roll a truck in some cases for one bag <sighs> and one bundle. Okay. So, so, so and, and you complain about the, the tag you have to buy, what's $10, $8, whatever. Well, it's a dollar a tag. You got to buy five. So it's $5. Yeah. So literally we're going out for $1. We're rolling a truck to pick up one bag at some one bag. That's how that's what's happening today. Okay. Mm. So that's not very efficient. Okay. So I'm, I've introduced two new uh, 
services. One we're calling bulk yard pickup. Okay. So basically for $20, we will allow you to put out up to 22 items, including, you know, all leaves and debris, no grass in this deal because we're, we're, we're basically throwing it into the truck in, in one thing, but you can use plastic bags. You can use your trash can as long as it's not over 40 pounds. We have to be able to lift it um, and, and call us up like you do special pickup and we'll come out and we'll empty everything into the truck and we'll leave your bags and containers there. Really? Well, you're saying 22 items of whoa, whoa, whoa. 22 containers of leaves, right? That's right. No, no leaves, other materials. Leaves so and Leaves okay. and or debris. So bundles of debris, which we, we allow today. You can use your trash can, put some debris in there. Sticks and branches. Out. and Branches, as long as it's not protruding out, right? And we okay. can lift it yeah. um, and, and or bags. And we're going to leave the bags for you. We're going to leave, you know, your cans, obviously. Um, so you don't have to go buy paper bags for this. You just fill them up and we'll come and we'll empty it in the truck and leave it for you. Um, and how often would that be? If I wish. We'll, we'll, I mean, we would do it once a week. You, you get on the list to get picked up. We would do it once a week. So for 20 bucks, you get 22 wow. items. Yeah. So trying to make it, make it something people want to do. You can go in with your neighbor. We don't even care. It's about efficiency, right? We're, we're, right. We, are the, we are the POA. We are the community. We're, we're trying to become efficient in how we pick up leaves this fall. So, so we're, this would bypass the bag thing I'm hearing, That's right? right. No to tag, be very, very clear. No tag, no paper bag required. You can use plastic bags and we're going to leave the bags for you to use again. Thank you, Jesus. Now, uh, wow, wait, it gets better. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Okay. So how do we become the most efficient? Well, we give you the ability to bring it to us. So for 50 cents a bag, a 50 cents an item, you can come to the POA building, just like the, the special drop-off. Right. And you can pay for the number of bags that you want to bring to us at the Terlingua facility on Friday mornings. Where's that at? Is that behind the PLA? the gas station alley over the pit. It's called the pit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the pit. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Back, so we back got behind the, yeah. the EQ to include in our once or twice a year burns leaves and debris. So now you can come. We have an area already staged out. And you get you come here to the POA building. You pay for however many bags you want, 50 cents a bag, 50 cents a trash can, whatever. You get the receipt. You come over to the facility on Friday mornings from 8 to 11, hand the attendant your receipt. They'll show you where to drop your stuff off. You drop your stuff off. You, you take your cans and your bags with you, and you're out of there. So that's half price from what is going on today, and you get to keep everything that you, you, you're using to dump stuff. The, these are This is a great solution. I Talk about a creative. This, this is creative. This is a great solution, Ken. I'm impressed. Okay. Well, that's that. You know, the, the, the goal here is to provide more options for our residents that suit their cost structure and their lives. So if you don't and their pocketbook, you know, Hey, I, I, I'm retired. I've got all day. I'll load it up in the truck. I'll carry it down. Maybe it takes three loads. I don't care. I'll do it That's all right. day and I'm done That's as right. opposed to, Hey, I'm working and I can't do that. Can y'all just come pick it up? Yep. And if and you can go in with your neighbor, we don't care again. It's, it's not about, we're not trying to make money on this. We're trying to uh, basically provide the level of service that the community needs to deal with these things at a, at a break-even cost structure for what it takes us to go out and do that or what it, we, you know, is involved in, in dealing with it once we get it. So, and, and just curious, and this is for my purposes, uh, yard work guys, I mean, some of them I know take it back into hot springs. The, you know, is there a place that Terralinga, the, the, can they convert? Is there a commercial have, service that you guys have? We have not open? opened anything that we've done to commercial yet. Okay. Because again, we, we need to understand what we can support. So everything I'm doing is kind of in stages right? Um, to make sure we can handle it. Um, and then, you know, once we know we got our arms around the residents' requirements and needs, we can decide what we can add for local businesses down, yeah. down the road. Because quantitatively, that could be six to eight times that, you know, that could be a lot of flow. There could be a lot oh, yeah. of product coming in. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, the other aspect of this, which, you know, kind of comes into play is, is the grass issue. So right now, you know, we can't we can't deal with grass in the bulk pickup because everything we're taking out of the bulk pickups going in the back of a truck. And you, mm -hmm. the, the DEQ will not allow us to burn grass because people treat grass with 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 stuff, oh, with chemicals. Right? That's right. So you can't. Yeah. Burn it, right? right. So but you can bring your grass to us as part of the drop-off fee. So you can bring your grass to us as part of the drop-off fee. We'll have a separate pile for the grass. Huh. And what we'll effectively do 
Um, and, and, you know, we're not sure how, how this will, will play out, but we'll effectively start composting at, at the facility. Um, I know. Don't get too excited, though, because you know, I know I know do a certain amount without permitting. And then once we hit a certain amount, we have to get a permit and okay. we have to have somebody train. And, and we're looking at that. Um, but we could also then just take it to the compost facility from there. Yeah. Once, once people, you know, we have enough volume. As soon as it reduces in bulk, if it sits, you know, if you have a pile eight foot high, if yeah. it sits there for four months, it'll be six foot high. It'll be five foot high. It'll it'll take care of some of itself, you know. Yeah, it will. And, and you know, <clears throat> and we're going to actually do that with our uh, the individual yard pickup with the bag and tag. We're going to probably try to compost that stuff as well. Um, not comp, you know, store it on site. And if it composts, great. And and if we can't make it work, we'll just take it to the compost facility like yeah. we're doing today. But, yeah. you know, today we actually, it's interesting, you know, when I, when I got here, you know, we, we picked that stuff up, those ones or two bags, you know, on Fridays. And then on a Saturday, we, we, we have somebody come in to deliver it to the compost facility and we were paying overtime to have somebody come in on a Saturday to bring that stuff over to the compost facility. So I'm like, well, that, that sounds a little unnecessary. Let's, let's see how we rework that. So we don't have to do that. And that's, that's part of the answer here is maybe we start doing a little composting ourselves. Um, and then we'll see how that works for the community where we use that. I mean, we certainly could, you probably use it on our golf courses and our rec areas and stuff like that. Um, and, and we'll see where that goes. You know, uh, just any of the gardens around the, uh, the, the garden beds around the Soto golf course or the golf courses, they have needs for, yeah. for multi, you know, mulch type material and, and soil and stuff like that. We're also look kind of looking at that and I haven't gotten into this fully yet with even the board or anything, but you know, how we deal with dredge material that we're taking out of the lake. I mean, yeah, we interviewed Todd about that. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of that stuff. stuff. Is, is pretty good, you know, I mean, yeah. and, and we're not really fully using it. We're, we're considering it to be, you know, uh, waste, but I look at it and I see gold, you know? Yeah. I well, see- <laughs> and Todd was talking about using it at the Balboa gate yeah, uh, to reline some of that prop- property there. Yeah, There's plenty of places we can use that material where we have either erosion that's con- occurred or uh, mixing it with some of the compost that we're going to, we're going to generate and, and, who knows what? I mean, I think we have a lot of opportunities there. We've never investigated fully. Um, at least we can find people that will probably want it, uh, yeah, not have sure. to pay sure. to have it hauled off. Let, let me let me interject a funny story, if you don't mind, real quick. I had a 55-acre uh, farm over on Lonsdale, the 10-mile the, uh, uh, creek. And uh, took a pickup truck into uh, Hot Springs, loaded it up with compost, got dark, it was cold. I was like, man, I just don't want to mess with this. No big deal. It's just compost. Had the truck sitting down like this, you know, took it back to the house, got out the next morning with a pitchfork, and I had a compost sickle. So those of you who know, I just want to let you know, (laughs) compost will freeze. And when it freezes, it is one uni ball. <laughs> I had to wait till it decided it had to get up to 50 degrees before I could unload my truck again. So wow. just be warned. Compost. Oh, okay. will freeze. Well, I'll take that under advisement. Compost sickle. <laughs> compost Composting sickle. is new to me. So we'll, we'll, we'll be learning as we go here a little bit and, and we'll, we'll see. But uh, I mean, the, the goal is to try to, again, be, be more efficient, reduce our costs, um, you know, some people, and I, and I don't know, you know, I, I, we talked about my background a little bit when the, the first interview we did, but, you know, for, for people that may be worrying about, you know, me or whatever, I mean, look, I retired at 51, uh, people that knew me well use the word penurious sometimes. And I don't know if you, you know that word, but I'm going to like look that up. You look up that word. No, not now. Can't look it up. Oh, now. Nuts, nuts, nuts. But let's just say, you know, I, I, I used to bag my lunch a lot uh, to work, uh, regardless of what position I had. And, you know, my goal is to try to become the most efficient and uh, lean fighting machine uh, that the POA has ever seen in, in how we deal with things and, and how we the, the services we provide to the, to the public uh, it, with that in mind. So, um, Penurious, you know, you'll continue huh? to see that type of stuff hopefully coming out of, of our organization now uh, where yeah. Well, it, it used to be called thrifty. Yeah. Uh, and, and then before that, some people ta- use the term cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're in the same bucket because it, the bottom line is I cannot stand waste. Yeah. Waste is at, at in an engineer's mind, in mm-hmm. a techie's mind, and waste is just a complete waste of use resources. There's no benefit to any. I might as well go outside and burn it. 
Yep. If I, if I can't utilize it or turn it into something I can make it useful with, it's useless. And I've, I've literally, I might as well be burning hundred dollar bills. Right. Well, and the, and the thing that I'll, I'll tell you, the one thing that I, I really harp on a lot is wasted time. You know, people don't appreciate, you know, what the impacts are of, of being efficient when it comes to time wasting. And that can, you know, I, I used to have this motto that I was lazy and cheap. I didn't like to do anything harder than I had to, because it usually cost a lot more money and took a lot more time. The people that were doing things the hard way, that was always the seemed to be the end result. It cost a lot more money and took a lot more time. And, uh, you know, if, if you want a successful organization that, that uh, uses its resources well, you want to do things the simplest way possible and the easiest way possible, because that usually results in the less co- least cost. Well, I got I to gotta say, uh, there are uh, approximately 18,000 other people watching and listening that think we're that thr- thrifty is a good idea, too. I, no, yeah. nobody, nobody thinks waste is a good idea. Okay, I hate it. But nobody thinks it's a good idea. But most people don't recognize it. Well, let's let's put a two hundred thousand dollar truck, make getting six six miles per gallon, and he's going to stop ever one hundred and fifteen yep. feet. Oh my god! I'll give you a good I'll give you a good example. You know, I I, I didn't put I didn't push my website uh, yet. Um, but you're about to. But that's my plug. Okay, yeah. <laughs> please, you know, go to go to member services, go to public services, and if you have a request for us. So, uh, well, hang on. Five Mile Have You Explore the Village Member Services. Services. Public services. Public services. Public go, to services. Our, go to our forum. Everything's consolidated there. All our new services are on there. But let me tell you a little how that plays out. Okay. So, you know, when I got here, the, the two admins, God bless their souls, Brenda and Janice, right? They spent all day on the phone answering calls all day long. I mean, that's what they, all they did. Since and since we've introduced that website and more people are using it, um, their call volume has been has dropped at least twenty to thirty percent. Are you serious? I'm serious. Yeah, and and you don't appreciate the impact that has the productivity of what they're able to actually accomplish when they're not stuck on the phone, mm-hmm. and the improvements that makes in our organization when the emails that come out go to not only them but come to the superintendent and come to me. So that there's no uh, loss in time or usage of time in the transferring of that message from an administrator to whoever it needs to go to. So all that time is regained um, back into the organization by simply using that online form and hitting the people that it needs to hit directly. And when one in the IT world, we call that QoS also. Yeah. And that is the quality of service. Yep. Because what's happening is, is that if I want to call, I have a serious problem. I need to call and talk to somebody and I need to get this resolved and it may need to be passed up the chain. When I call, I know that the person who's answering has the time to answer my question and that there aren't three other lines ringing right behind them asking the same simple question. When can I get a pickup when they could go? So the, the, the problem, the person who has the deeper problem, gets great, greater service. Exactly. The problem, the person who just wants a quick pickup or a quick ticket or a quick note, they get to go online and do it quicker too. So, well, and I'll tell you a funny, I'll tell you a funny uh, anecdote sure. there is um, I had a woman I just talked to probably a half an hour ago about a trash issue. And she was like, I can't get a hold of anybody. I don't know what's going on. I can't get a hold of anyone. And I said, what numbers are you? I said, do you know about the website? She goes, no, what website are you talking about? And she goes, I said, what number are you calling? And, and the number she uh, gave us she it went to Ponce golf course and I was like well where you know where did you get that number she goes well it was a document that you guys sent out earlier this year I'm like really um and it turned out the document was two, from 2018 so <laughs> earlier this year <laughs> well so there's a lot of people that you know may be using numbers or uh you know that, that are yeah. outdated and antiquated and, yeah. and that's why I'm kind of pushing the website too because you know, I want customers to be able to get a hold of people. And frankly, I told her, I said, if you had sent, if you had gone in my online forum, you would have got me quicker because I look at my emails constantly. I said, yeah. I would have saw, seen your email and, and, you know, hopefully responded to you faster than the, the 20 or 30 minutes or however long she, she waited in on, on the phone or tried to get the wrong, you know, get the wrong numbers. And so, you know, I, I encouraging our residents to leverage our website um, it, it, it seems to be working. We're not perfect. We do, we do occasionally, you know, miss something, but it seems to be a lot better. And residents now have evidence that they've reached out to us using that website because they get an email back 
detailing everything they submitted. And I can go check and go, yeah, you did submit something here. By golly, we missed it. All right, we're going to go back and address it. And, you know, so far, I think it's, it's worked as well, as well as I could have expected. And it's saving time. It's saving time in our organization. Well, two things for the lady that called 30 minutes ago. Number one, get on the Village Digest, get the weekly email. They send you one email every Friday afternoon. They will yep. not spam you. It's not tons of junk. It's, it's Every bit of it is great, great information that you can use. Number two, that it digest, that the, the Hot Springs Village Digest will lead you to Explore the Village, which is the explorethevillage.com is where you need to go. But that, and uh, so many people that I know don't even know their own login. They don't know how to get into the member services. And there's a button at the top for member services, members and yeah. guests. Click at that button and then you'll have that. If you have any questions, questions call 501 922 5556. 501-922-5556. Talk to guest services. They will get you a number and get your number looked up and get you set in and you'll be great to go. Yep. Yep. Well, Ken, have we missed anything? No. I, I mean, my, my last comment would be, you know, if, if there are people out there that, that are interested in, in you know, or, or skeptical about what we're doing here, you know, my number is 501-226-9609. That's this device right here. I was about like to say, that's not me. your desk phone, Ken. That's, no, not, that's not my desk 501-226 phone. 501 226 9609. I'm going to flash it in big red you letters. Flash it in big red. <laughs> and I, you know, I encourage our residents to get involved and get educated on what we're trying to accomplish here under this board, under Kelly and under myself. You know, we're all residents here and we're all trying to improve this village and, and address things that you know, frankly, some of it haven't, hasn't ever been addressed. And uh, like the land, like the land acquisitions underneath our infrastructure. And that's just a small example of the things that, that we're trying to achieve here. And, and uh, I don't know, anybody needs information, you got my number. Well, I'll give one last kicker too. And that is to those who, uh, as Randy would say, the rock throwers uh, who say, well, our POA is misspending and they're not to, I, I'll, I'll challenge you to give us your cell phone number and let us call you and talk about things that aren't done talking to the rock throwers here, because everybody I've worked with at the POA is exceptional. And I am not exaggerating in any stretch, exceptional. The, the, the village can be a challenging place to work. I understand that. I understand that we have an older community, very intelligent, very educated, rather affluent for the most part. And they, they may have some higher demands, but I know that, that our staff is is more than willing and more than adequate to do and does a great job. So well, I'll tell you, I mean, I, you know, you don't appreciate how hard these people are working until you're in the midst of them. I mean, I, you know, I'll just give you an example yesterday, including myself. You know, I was up at four in the morning working on stuff, you know, at seven o'clock last night as I was coming back from a Kiwanis uh, event. Uh, three of my guys were out on a road fixing a leak that, you know, we got notified about at, at like 4.30 that afternoon. And I don't think they got home until eight or nine. And these guys do that every single day. I mean, we have leaks springing up all over the village every single day, whether it's water or sewer. And these guys are out there waist deep in it, just fixing it. And, and they don't look at their watch and go, oh, it's five o'clock. We, we'll come back and work on this at tomorrow morning at no, 8 a.m. sir. They are, they are uh, dedicated uh, you know, I just, I just can't say good enough about them. They, they really, really work hard. They really care about the village and their jobs. And we're very fortunate to have them. And I'm very fortunate to be working with them to help uh, continue to improve the village. So, well, I don't want to give away too much, but I told you I did four interviews with Kevin, with uh, Todd Knowles. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to want to watch because he raves about you, by the way. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> no, so, he, so he had I some. I paid him enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's, he's a genuinely. And you know, Todd, if he doesn't like you, he doesn't like you. But there's very few people he doesn't like. Oh, but yeah. he, he, he literally raved about you and Kelly. Well, and he, let me tell you, he, he is one of those employees that, yep. you know, just loves the village. I mean, he's been here his whole career, basically. And and the guy is uh, he's exactly what we want here. Uh working on our behalf to help make things better. I mean, he, he, he does the kind of guy. He does the right thing for the right reason. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, he's a trusted member of my uh, senior leadership team now. And, and, and probably it was long overdue, frankly. Um, and he's done a great job in, in the common properties and lakes. Uh, yeah, he, he really does. We, we actually, he, he was telling us about, and uh, I think that uh, comes out tomorrow, actually. Uh, we did an interview about dredging Cortez Lake because it's, it's going to mm -hmm. be drawn down October the 4th. 
And he said they did a survey and there were 25,000 yards of material that needs to come out of Cortez. I believe it. And I was like, hang on. So a dump truck's 10 to 12 yards. He said, yeah. I said, so wow. Wow. Well, I remember. And the reason I made note is because we were doing a, I did a drone flyover for uh, Brad when he was here of Lake Panada. And all I could think is a, this has never been dredged B there is a biblical amount of information, uh, amount of material. I mean, chest high in most places and deeper that it just had never been dredged out at all. And I'll give them as due to, to you and Kelly. Uh, both of you looked at it and went, we're, we're throwing, we're, we're paying to carry this off. No, 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 no. Let's find somebody who'll take this for free. And it, it, maybe we don't make anything on it, but we don't have to pay to carry it off. Right. Yeah. And, and again, I think there is some use, if not just for us, you know, for, for others and we'll see where it goes, but uh, you know, and I think that was another area that, that I didn't really get into as far as us saving money, but you know, we were, we were spending incredibly insane amounts of money on, on dredging. And, you know, I'm not going to make any claims at this point other <laughs> yeah. than that when we're done, uh, I'm going to come back on here and I'm going to, I'm going to let the village know how, how much we saved in the approaches we're taking to dredge Cortez and other lakes on a spot basis that has never been done before. Really? I'm not, not going into that anymore. That's all I'm going to say is a teaser. That's the teaser. That's the teaser. That's the teaser that, you know, my goal is all about saving money and providing better service with at, at a lower cost. And being and, pernicitous. Is that the word? What's that? And being pernicitous. What's the word? No, 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 no. I, you come on now. Penurious. Say, say the word. Penurious. Huh? Penurious. Penurious. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, so you, you, you looked that up. We'll, everybody talk, knows that. We can talk about that next, next time. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> tell you what, I th- we're going to see you next quarter, if not before. How about that, Ken? Sounds good. Man, it's a great, it's a pleasure. Dennis Simpson, Hot Springs Village Inside Out. He's Ken Unger. If you have a question, call or write him, really. Unger at hsvpoa.org. He answers all times of night and day. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. Talk to you next time, buddy. All right, Dennis. Talk to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.